Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jake Wiskirchen. I'm your host. You know, and every once in a while I say something like that and it comes into my ears like, Hello, what have we here? I'm Lando Calrissian. I'm the administrator of this facility. <laughs> and it makes me laugh. And some of you might get that and some of you will not. And um, some of you will just roll your eyes and press fast forward. Anyway, welcome to Noggin Notes. I'm your host, Jake Wiskirchen. And I am happy to introduce to you today on this interview, my good friend, Eric Reichenberg. It's a it's a really vulnerable tale that he tells about um, all sorts of really cool stuff. And uh, like usual, I'm not going to spoil it in the intro, but um, I think you're going to enjoy it. As always, the podcast is sponsored by Zephyr Wellness, my company in Reno, Nevada, and also in Sparks, Nevada. I co-own it with my co-owner, Lindsay Bell, who is uh, always behind the scenes, always very supportive, and uh, we're happy to be expanding. If you want to reach out to us on the podcast, uh, contact us at info at zephyrwellness.org or info at nogginnotes.com. You can chime in with some opinions of your own, feedback, uh, suggestions for future topics, and so on and so forth. We love seeing listener mail. It drives a lot of what we do. Um, I haven't done a listener mail specifically, uh, a listener mail podcast in a while because I um, just kind of incorporate those suggested topics into the interviews that I do. But uh, just know that we we do get those and we, we do pay attention to them. The podcast is also sponsored by Audible. And if you have not checked out Audible yet or you're not familiar with audiobooks, I highly recommend that you do. Go to audibletrial.com slash noggin notes. Sign up for a free 30-day trial. Uh, there's no strings attached. Uh, you do have to enter your credit card because if you go over the 30 days, they will bill you for your continued usage. But in that 30 days, you get a free audiobook to download and explore at your leisure. And even if you decide to cancel, you keep the audiobook, which is pretty cool. Audible has a completely unmatched selection of audio titles, not just books, but uh, comedy and news and all sorts of information, original content, uh, and they're connected to and powered by Amazon, which has uh, great reach. So go to audibletrial.com slash noggin notes, sign up for your free 30-day trial, help us out, help them out, help yourself out, feed your noggin. That's what we're trying to do on this podcast. And uh, I really think you're going to enjoy this interview with Eric. Um, he's He's a He's an amazing person uh, with a great soul and a depth of character that I, I heavily admire. So I'm just going to shut up now and let you listen. And um, if you still have Lando's picture in your in your head, uh, maybe open up a Colt 45 and drink it along with the podcast. Enjoy. So today we're talking with a longtime friend and associate, acquaintance. I don't even know what category you fall into, but we've known each other a really long time. His name's Eric Reichenberg. And Eric and I go back almost 20 years yeah. now to Bank of America days when we were both tellers together. That's right. And, That's right. Uh, and then from there, we uh, we launched into uh, homebrewing, and then we were DJing, and it was you know swapping clients and booking weddings and events and, and stuff. And um, anyway, it's really cool to have you talk on Noggin Notes because I think our listening audience is going to be really interested to hear your story, not about your professional development, <laughs> but uh, but your personal <laughs> development. Uh, so tell tell us a little bit about what you do these days for work because uh, you you are uh, kind of a, a unique uh, individual in that you're, you're making a, a living playing music for other people's entertainment purposes 
I think that's fascinating. I, I have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. So, thank, yeah, thanks, Jake. Yeah, way, way back. Um, tw- gosh, twenty years now. Yeah. Well, it's seventeen, I think. Maybe. Yeah, it's, no, it's yeah, it's it's getting up there. But um, but thanks, yeah, thanks for the plug. What um, what I get blessed to do now is is be around people and celebrate the best day of their lives by DJ and DJ and their weddings. And good na- good friend and neighbor of mine uh, convinced me to multiply myself and bring on other djs and train him and so we have multifaceted djs and some photo booths photography videography we just want people to live their love story and and be a part of that so it's 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 a lot of fun you know while we're doing this i want you to give a plug for yourself because we should do that with every guest we have so um how and there's a lot of local listeners in the reno sparks you know greater northern nevada northern california area so um how do people reach you what are you called Oh, so thanks. Yeah, so we're uh, like like Eric. Um, I spell epic with a K, and it's epic weddings and events. Um, we we started as Epic Entertainment. Since we branched out to other services, we we went to that as well. Uh, Instagram handle is um, at epic dot weddings. Epic with a K, weddings with an S. Um, you can find us at epicweddings.com. You can ask Siri to say Epic Weddings Reno, and that'll pull us up too. It's all sorts of fun stuff. So uh, weddings with an S. I'm glad you clarified that because I was going to spell it with a Z. <laughs> not really. It's not true. I just want to make sure everyone understands it's plural and not just epic yeah. wedding singular. Yeah. Just you, you just do one wedding and you're done. <laughs> yeah. So you um, you were working a couple of jobs for a while until you made the plunge. I want to talk about that a little bit too because I think when people are facing a career change, it's often trepidating to to step out and I guess leave the the corporate umbilical cord, if yeah. you will. What, what was that like? Yeah, so I w- actually went to college here at UNR for a degree in electrical engineering, and that was when we were working together at, at the bank, and uh, then got a job at Intuit and worked uh, worked the corporate world there, learned all of my business skills from there, and DJed starting in college as well, and then branched that through, and I held on to both um, – uh, like on two tightropes there, or um, to be able to two trapeze. That's what I was looking for. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some was, circus act. Yeah, yeah. Some circus act. Trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and it got so big to the point there that I looked at you only have so many times in your life that you can actually quit, and so saw what was happening with Epic and said, I'm at a point right now that I want to walk away, and I had an amazing boss who uh, helped me with the transition and get through there, and I still have a great relationship with Intuit. Um, but was able to spread my wings, and you know, my my wife is uh, and I are partners in the company, and we operate and run the whole thing, and she's been fantastic in everything that I've been able to be a part of, and all the success that we've been able to go through over the last few years. And and I can testify, uh, you are a very very good MC. Uh, master ceremonies uh, at, at weddings because you stay out of the way. I think a lot of the times we've we've been to weddings where you get like the guy who wishes he were the uh, a, you know morning drive time FM radio host <laughs> and he's trying to do a wedding but he's making it all about himself and it's like you know I'm waiting for you know caller number nine gets to catch the garter and you don't do that. You stay out of the way. You make it about the the couple and it's a very pleasant experience so that those of us in attendance don't have to contemplate carving our eyes out with the the fork in our hands as we uh, pick at our cake so um he does do a good job if you wanted to hire him reach out thank you but that's not why you're here i just like to give a plug for people who have their own businesses um why you're here is to discuss your life's events over the last what's been 10 years now maybe eight 
Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was 2000, 2011. So yeah, so a little yeah. over eight years. Eight years. Um, <laughs> eight years ago, you lost your, your wife, not the wife you just mentioned, but your first wife to cancer. And you guys had a baby boy together and you still have him. He's happy and healthy. And he, he and my son share a name, Ethan, yep. uh, and your son and I share a birthday, yep. which is, uh, very cool. I think, um, and that's why I wanted to have you on here because this is a mental health podcast. And I mean, we branch out into other things, but, uh, when we connected the other day at a wedding, I was like, Hey, you know, what you could contribute <laughs> is your own personal testimony and, and you're smiling now. Um, but I know life wasn't all smiles for you at that yeah. point. So start wherever you want and just, just share that story. And I'll, I'll just sprinkle in some questions as we go. And, um, maybe you could share with the listening audience what that, what that journey was like from, you know, tragedy to recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. So as, uh, as you mentioned there, so my, uh, my first wife, Anna had passed away from ovarian cancer in uh, January 29th of 2011. And it was, it was a rough journey because cancer came on really, really quick when we had found out and she was diagnosed with cancer. Um, we thought that it was a small tumor that ended up being a much larger tumor. And, uh, when the doctors did the surgery to remove the tumor, it ruptured and that's spread through. We went through chemo, she went through chemo treatment and, uh, and then it, we thought we had beat it. We were actually planning a trip with Intuit, uh, to go to the Philippines to travel and train some people down there. And, and the doctor had done another update and found out that, um, the cancer had, the cancer had metastasized, um, <laughs> Take your time. Thanks. And um, so we went through more aggressive um, chemo treatments at that time to to see what we could uh, we could do to to be able to beat through that. And it and it, uh, it nothing nothing was working. So we uh, <clears throat> my uh, Ann and I had had our son Ethan, as you had mentioned in there, and so he was too young to really see that thing goodness we had um and a sister was there to help us out with everything with making sure that Ethan was sheltered and and had all that through and then after spending months in the hospital I just basically lived there with her uh throughout everything because I didn't want to want to leave her side and then right around Christmas is when we got the news to go um to head home so that we could go on hospice and see what everything we could do to make her comfortable um so it was a most difficult time ever had to go through and wouldn't ever wish that, um, on anybody. Um, but what it, wh- while we went, while we went through all that and it was extremely heartbreaking and I miss her all the time, uh, is wanted to, you know, the impact that she had had on, on, uh, on our life throughout there. And then just really helped us understand that life is extremely precious and no matter how, you go through life in there, the decisions that you make will really, you know, will, will come back. And so you have to do things that ultimately will, will make you happy and help me really kind of figure what that was. And I learned what my new 10 was is what's the most painful thing you could ever go through in your life is you compare everything else to that. That absolutely was. And so as I look at anything in life now, I look at how does this compare to that? That doesn't come close to being that. So it's not, it's not going to be, it's, it's, why is this affecting me so much in this negative way? And then it just really helps me put a lot of perspective across. I, I really like, thank you by the way, for being so vulnerable. It's uh it's tough to revisit 
and um, and share. So um, I'm sure everybody listening appreciates it. Um, what I appreciate is that you you gave me a new phrase now. Um, what is your new ten? Yeah. And and I think we can apply that in different ways. You you applied it obviously to pain, um, and you know loss, and so. It sounds to me like you've, you you mentioned the word perspective. It sounds like you, you approach life with a new perspective so that any struggles that you encounter now, it's like, well, we know how bad it can be, and it ain't that. Right. And so it, it's almost an invitation to dial back a little bit the, the intensity on which you approach things. Like, you know, you don't go into catastrophizing mode quite as quickly, and um, it makes everything a little bit more, like you said, precious. And, uh, and I think we can all appreciate that and true, true deep appreciation of, you know, in the, in the fact of like, how much do you appreciate what you have and, uh, how quickly it can go. Um, what is, what is Ethan's understanding of it now? Cause he's 10 or 11 now. Right? Yeah. He just turned 11 on your birthday. So yeah, yeah you guys, you, I think you were not to really be your age, but I will. You, I think turned 30 the day he was born. Yep, so. I'm 41 now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he was, um, Right, it's it's looking at it as was it a blessing, was it a curse in there with with how old he was with that. He was too young to really know who he's really too young to really know who um, who his mother uh, Anna Anna was. He knows by pictures and videos and things that we've we've shown him. But um, if he would have been any older, he might have remembered her um, at the time of her life when she was going going through this and it would have been really rough so he asks about it all the time and we're extremely open i'm blessed to have been able to find francis um she is fantastic for us and has your now wife my now wife thank yes. you yes yes so um so he she's she's been she's been in there and when francis and i even started dating in there um they had already created an amazing relationship in the beginning between ethan and francis and he asked questions and, and you know, full transparency and being in a vulnerable state right now. I had, uh, I didn't really know how to approach that with her and, and how much I should talk about Anna with Francis. And uh, she fully opened up and didn't didn't have any issue with it or any of the fears that I had built up in my head that might have caused anything with that. She was completely fine with it, open, and in fact, helped me bring out more things that I might not wow. have before. Um, and Ethan had helped. Uh, he as he's asking questions and understanding about through that, um, you know, he he refers to them differently. You know, mommy Anna and and mommy Francis in there at times to help other people kind of differentiate it with it. And and he's just, I'm amazed by everything that he's been able to go through across the board and what he's seen in his life and how things impact him and just how amazing of a of a kid he is and just a human being. And people have described him as just being an old soul because of the perspective that he has on life. So it's, it's just a wonderful thing to be able to see that and, and didn't affect him in any negative way that I have seen. It's just really, again, like helped him just put perspective to things as well. I think that's really useful because we, I encounter a lot of parents who have young children and they wonder about, first of all, they, they second guess their parenting. Uh, <laughs> but you do. know, yeah. You know, is my kid going to remember me yelling at him when he's two about spilling the thing on the carpet or maybe that's just my projection, <laughs> but, um, they, yeah, but, but what I tell them is we just rely on neuroscience and our understanding of brain development and that, uh, we don't usually 
retain memories until after 36 months of age because the brain hasn't uh, formed yet and the hippocampus isn't functioning the way that, that we know it to do. So it, it's entirely possible that kids under the age of three don't have a lot of memory of, of events. Um, what they will have memories of are emotional impressions. And they may associate those with people. So if you're if you're constantly angry and constantly you know raging and violent versus you know constantly happy and at peace, what they'll do is they'll associate those those emotional experiences with the with the individual. But as far as you know, unique events, they don't they don't really recall that stuff. So it's an interesting testimony to hear you say that he doesn't he doesn't recall much because it it aligns with what we know about brain development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I mean he, he he's. Still, still ask questions in there, and it's and Francis has helped me just be more open with it because I I found that I hadn't been as forthcoming with uh, with some of the the interactions in there, but it's it's been it's been this journey that we continue to you know look at a focus on all the time, and he continues to blow us away. So you went through therapy for this, obviously, and did. Um, you did something called EMDR, which is a uh, eye movement desensitization and reprogramming and there's and that's a big loaded acronym uh and there are multiple parts to it emdr is a fascinating very highly effective useful tool and it does have multiple parts like i said so uh the first part is the the desensitization and this the second part is the reprogramming um take us through your process and what what the therapy itself the treatment was like and the counseling you received yeah yeah so <clears throat> Excuse me. So I when I had first started, you know, after Anna had passed and she was going through everything, and then when ultimately we had lost her, um, I didn't know what to do. I thought my whole world was completely shattered, upside down. Um, I didn't have an opportunity to be able to go. I had an opportunity to go back to work, and I didn't know what I wanted to do there. I had all these things built up in my head, and so I had originally gone to see um, uh, a counselor to be able to help me through, and I didn't find I was getting what I needed from. Um, from that interaction. So then I had heard um, through a good friend of mine, uh, who's also in the same field as you, my neighbor, one of my DJs as well, it, he does, um, he introduced me to EMDR. And so I found a counselor that was familiar with EMDR. And what <clears throat> worked so well with it was, at, and at first it was a little kooky to me because she said, okay, <laughs> have this, have, you have these paddles and they vibrate in one in your left hand and then it alternates to the one in your right hand. And I want you to think about the worst possible thing that is causing you all this pain and suffering and I just want you to focus on that and then cry your eyes out and so I didn't know what to do so I did that and it came really quick and really helped me process the things that were really holding me down and and pulling me through and the things that were depressing me and I don't know I'm sure you can go into the details and the science of why everything worked in there so well. The way she described it to me was that it just kind of helps bridge the gap between your left brain and your right brain Mm -hmm. Um, just to help you process this trauma much quicker than you would do in many other circumstances. And I I went to maybe half a dozen of these sessions, and it made a huge difference for me. It helped me just process things, to see things at a different perspective, and to understand that Anna was in our time, in our lives for the time that she needed to be, and that even though it is extremely traumatic and it and it and it hurt so bad that greater things were meant to happen because of going through what we had gone through. And I still firmly believe that. And it helped me get onto that next phase. And I haven't gone back to as much counseling things, but even listening to your podcast the other day about, you talked about the uh, family therapy things. I talked to Francis about it and was saying, Hey, 
where where relationship is really helpful and healthy right now, but you, we need to keep up on it the same way that you were talking about the way we do with our healthcare and how we go in for dental checkups. So I I was astounded by how well this had worked, and and I think it could help out. I wish anyone going through some sort of trauma can have the resources to go through this same thing. You know, when you talk about six sessions, it almost sounds like a magic bean and it's not. Um, I am, I, I will precede the, the following with the statement that says I am not an EMDR expert. I have not taken any training or courses in it. I, I know scant about it, but what scant I know, I will share with you not to be confused with scat. Um, <laughs> we're not, we're not picking up bear poop in the woods, but, um, what little I know is <laughs> that was really, you're cracking up, um, is that, it's not a parlor trick. It's not we you know you you mentioned the vibrating paddles and what you're talking about there is something called a a bilateral integration technique. So bi meaning two, lateral meaning sides. Um, so what you're doing there is the paddles are vibrating and and you're being forced to think about something. You know in this case a traumatic event or or it can be used for phobias as well. Uh, and so what what happens is you're right the 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 different hemispheres of your brain. Uh, talk to each other a little quicker. That's the bilateral part. And and when you're integrating those those two hemispheres, what ends up happening is your brain talks to itself a little bit quicker and you start to integrate new information and you're, you're reprogramming pathways. Um, so there's, uh, it, it does happen very quickly, but uh, like I said, it's not some parlor trick and it's not just we hook you up to a machine and it zaps you and then you're fixed. Um, there is a counseling component there and you touched on that where the, the first counselor you saw uh, didn't fit bad timing, you know, and, and, and that's fine. Like that, that happens all the time. I'm not the best fit for everybody. I like to think I am, but but I'm not. Um, and so you move on and you, you find something else that works or somebody, somebody else and and time passes. So the counseling component to EMDR is there's absolutely talk therapy involved. And you connected that by saying that you attach meaning to that and significance and the fact that Anna was in your life for a purpose and for a time and for a season. And then that season passes and, and we can be, we can love very deeply and we can appreciate very fully the, the things that life gives us from, you know, people to objects, to experiences and events. And then we can learn to let go of them, uh, in order to embrace new experiences. And I think, I think that's, there's a really significant, I mean, deep significant point to that, that if we're trying to hang on to things longer than life is intending for us to embrace them, we miss the next opportunities. And uh, I've said frequently, and, and I know I've said it on this podcast, where uh, general, generically speaking, anxiety is when we fixate our thoughts on something in the future, and, and it's usually founded in worry, and we worry about it because we can't do anything about it because it's not here yet. And then generically speaking, the opposite of that would be depression, when we fixate our thoughts on something in the past that we can't do anything about and we're sad about it because we can't fix it or change it because it's already done and gone so we want to be in the present the only way to be in the present is to release anxiety from the future and disappointment from the past and be in the present moment and i think you you did an adequate job of explaining exactly what that process is and it was very clear and succinct so um now uh, you're you're in this spot where you've got you've got a new life you know a new a new wife uh, your your kid is growing a new career um, and you still have memories and they're, and they're they're pleasant and 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 they're sad sometimes we evidence that by the opener um, how do you I guess how do you maintain in the present moment and I appreciate the the, the nod to continued counseling you know check in you know uh, make sure you're yeah. not ignoring your blind spots that kind of thing but but how do you go about your daily life uh, do you have any routines or regiments or you know self affirmations or you know journaling or what do you is there anything that you do to keep moving forward 
in in theory, I want to do all of those things. Yeah, <laughs> and, me too. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I I see the benefit of it. I had a really good friend of mine, um, and used to be neighbor, and then he had to move. Uh, he really got me in into uh, you know a lot of neighbors who influence I do, you. I do, I know. It's, it's live around me, and apparently you influence me. Um, and he uh, he got me into going to the gym a lot more, so that's helped me release um, some things there. He also got me into meditating that I don't do nearly enough, mm. but I have found. At the time that I do it and I sit down and I make the time to just truly focus on my breath and try to eradicate any thoughts that might come into my head, recognize that they're there, um, and then just say, cool, I can you know, deal with that later. So I'm trying to focus on the breath to stay in, in the present because I do all those things. I depress about things that I didn't do in the past that Absolutely. I should have done, and I, yeah. I have anxiety about the future. Um, and I found when I do that, it really helps ground me and I just I feel so much better about the day now I need to do it a lot more and I don't and I don't do it enough and some things that were I in fact just with Francis and with uh with Ethan we've decided we need to set more time to put things in our calendar that we aren't focusing on work so like on Sundays we try if we're not actually working an event no work at all. We just try to focus on the family and just be there, be present, be away from our devices. Um, on Tuesdays, we alternate between having a date night or um, doing like a family night with it because as a little plug, Tuesdays at the uh, movie theater, it's $5 on Tuesdays all day long matinee pricing. So it's a cool time to go see a movie what? if you want to. Yes, right. Yeah. Where? At Summit Sierra, I know, is, is one of them, but... I think all the ones that are in that same, I think Cinemark, if you, on really? Tuesdays, it's $5 cool. for all day. So if you're looking to see a movie, Tuesday doesn't get much. Easy way to take the family out to do something to enjoy without having to fight the crowd. So trying to find ways to do that by having, yeah. our, right? by having yeah. our job on more on the weekend, we have more time that I can, I can spend with Francis. I can spend with Ethan and volunteer at his, at his school as well. So it's just trying to be involved, networking, different events that I go to with that as well has just really helped me just stay out of my Facebook bubble that mm-hmm. I found is just extremely dangerous if that's all you're doing is just sitting on social media and not experiencing people in, in real world. I really like that you said set the devices aside. I think uh, any any family members uh, listening to this should uh, take heed. Uh, I've, I've long lamented uh, the, the toxic Twitter sphere and uh, the fact that people only engage online uh, in emotional ways, uh, there's there's not a lot of just passive uh, interaction online. It's it's very emotionally charged, and and all that does is wear out the body, quite yeah. frankly. Um, so I, I like that you'd set the set the devices aside and just be present as a family. It's a it's an exercise that I think we've lost uh, largely as a as a society. When you uh, when you talk about working out and you talk about being mindful. Um, where where do you direct your attention? Because a lot of people, you know, they'll go into the gym and they'll just kind of do a mindless workout. Or some people, they'll have a purpose and a mission, like they're training for something. Some people will, will meditate um, and they just sit in silence, which is fine. And then other people have a purpose. They they purposely focus on something. Yeah. Uh, do you do you have a, a mission or a motive or are you just kind of like doing it because it just feels good? That's an excellent question. I probably should have more of a motive with it, but it for for what I've kind of noticed in there, I, I find that as my time to be able to just kind of separate, be in my own thoughts, although I am one of the 
weird people apparently that I don't listen to music when I work out. I actually listen to podcasts. That's where I've been able to catch up on a lot Nothing of stuff. Nothing fires me up to lift some weights <laughs> like Joe Rogan. Right. So I don't know. I'm weird in there. I, by being a DJ, I listen to music all of the time. Yeah, and so I have to find something as an alternative to get my to get my mind moving there. Um, there are some times when I really want to focus. You know, I, I haven't done the vision boards and things. I've seen people go through and, and do that. I'm not saying that it's it's the wrong thing to do. It's probably great to work on that. I just haven't done it. And mm-hmm. kind of bringing it back to the thing on Sunday, putting away the devices. I'm not always perfect with that. There are many times that we, you know, we're guilty of pulling that in. But putting the focus um, on something, you got me thinking about that a little bit more. And I think I will be more mindful as I go through to do that, to really like, what do we, what's going to help make everybody win in this certain scenario? I don't like it to be things so one-sided. And then how can, how can I focus my thoughts and clarity to help that become a reality? You opened something good I didn't think about. Oh, good. We're all learning here. My, one of my favorite, my uh, probably my the favorite word of, of that I have in counseling is intentionality, and I, I stole it uh, unashamedly from Christian Conti, his friend and mentor. Um, I'd never heard it before. He said it. I'm sure, he's not the first, but um, I'm going to give him credit. Intentionality is the spirit behind the purpose of why you do something. So, why do you do what you do? And it's so you can act with intent, but if you're acting with intentionality all the time, what it does is it puts you in charge of your behaviors and your decision-making such that you're not doing anything unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And, and it, when you purposely schedule time, like uh, setting aside time with the family, you're doing it intentionally to be with the family. And then you can, I suppose you could increase that intentionality by adding activities or whatnot, and then you're committing to them. Uh, so it, be, it doesn't just simply become a an exercise of time slipping away and you're, yeah, you're together, but you're not really connecting. You know, you could all be together in the same room, but if you're staring at the TV screen, you're like, great, our devices are away, but (laughs) we're watching TV. Yeah. So is it, is it, are you intentionally connecting? And I think that's a good exercise for couples. I think it's a good Mm -hmm. exercise for families. Um, one thing I, I actually tell couples frequently, and I'm not the best at this either is, um, schedule your intimate time too. Uh, like, you know, straight up, if you're if you're having trouble connecting in the bedroom, schedule sex. Uh, and and people look at me weird when I say that, but the the analogy I use is you know people schedule things like going to San Francisco to watch a Giants game, uh, and it doesn't take away from the fun of the game. True. So just put the things that matter on your calendar, and uh, it doesn't matter if if you think that they're weird, it still works and it'll still be fun. So, um, yeah, intentionality is a, is a good thing. So as you're, as you're moving through life here, um, I want to know more about, uh, you as a dad and you as a, as a dude, because we as dudes and dads often find ourselves pressured by society, not to emote, uh, not to be vulnerable, not to be intimate, uh, because the, the message we get through social media and through mass media and, um, movies and and books and magazine articles is that we got to be tough and we got to be strong. We have to have this artificially, um, you know, rigid exterior, but you encounter this trauma, this tragedy, you're raising a little boy. He needs, uh, his father to be present. And then you fall back in love again. Like that's a heck of a roller coaster for somebody who's been told by society repeatedly that you're not supposed to like be emotional. So, um, I know you better than that. And we're, um, we, we tend to run with similar type of, of dudes who are pretty, you know, hard on sleeve kind of guys, but for the listening audience who may not be familiar, 
share your journey that way through that lens as a as a guy and and a man in American society and, and as a dad. Yeah. Wow. Um, so as I mentioned, after uh, Anna had passed, I had a hard time trying to um, make my way back to work. And the fear that I had built up in my head was I don't want people to just want to console me all the time. Or I don't want this to define the person that I am and that I don't want people to always feel that they have to be sympathetic or walk on eggshells. Mm-hmm. Or so it was all these fears that I just kind of built up into my head for mm-hmm. Whatever reason, right, for maybe what society pulled through as well. And so as I went through the EMDR and realized, hey, that's not the case and and found out so many people um, at Intuit had helped me with donating their vacation time to me so that I could take the time to be able to um, to help out with Anna there at the end. And then when I came back, was welcomed with open arms. I didn't any of that stigma or fear that I had in my head was was not there. And so. I've, I find, you know, someone had said, you know, that you're, you're judged in life by the amount of difficult conversations that you can have with people. And I'm not the best about having difficult conversations with people, but that's kind of that facade that we kind of have to, have to put on there. So looking at it, looking at it from that lens as the dad, I had, I don't, I don't mind being vulnerable with people with whom I, I care about, you know, and that I, that I should maybe share, um, have some shared experiences with. So, I guess yeah, looking at it, no one, no one, no one had uh, come back to uh, any of the fears that I had built up and made that an issue for me. So I don't mind being more vulnerable in there with people and, and seeing with Ethan and how he has grown up in this lens as well. I try to protect him more from these things. So I think I had a hard time trying to, as I mentioned before, bring up about Anna and really talk about that because I didn't want him to necessarily see me um, break down or lose that. I wanted him to see me as the strong well yeah and i think there's a difference there between protecting a child's innocence you know and preserving his uh his dignity and and exposing him you know willfully to pain like (laughs) we're not talking about that we're talking about you know personal authenticity um i think separating out the the child rearing component is very important um, because we protect our children from lots of things. And and to be very, very clear, you should not have adult conversations with children. Uh, it, it grows them up too fast. It spoils their innocence. And, um, when they grow up too fast, that in and of itself can be a form of trauma. So, um, I I guess what I'm hearing you say is you, you kind of took a risk. Like you were, you confronted these, these folks, you know, at your workplace or in your, in your community. And, um, and they were very supportive and it made everything okay. Uh, the, the fears didn't manifest, yeah. uh, into reality. And so th- I guess maybe that conditioned you to be more authentic later on. Cause here you are talking about it to literally tens of millions of people, as far as I billions. know, <laughs> as far as we know. Uh, and you're not, you're not balking, you know, it's, yeah. you, there's a, there's a genuineness and authenticity about this that I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. I've, I, I find that, you know, if, if you can be, if you can be vulnerable people, you know, it just opens up and allows you, it's, it's amazing the shared experiences that you can, that you can have, whether when you might have assumptions that you walk into a room with somebody about things, you don't know what they've gone through, the same thing that they don't know what, that you might've gone through, unless maybe they listen to this podcast, maybe they'll know what I've There you through, go. But... A whole bunch of difficult conversation coming your way. <laughs> but Hey, there's that DJ that went through that thing that one time. <laughs> right, right. So, but by doing that, that, that helps 
make the connection a lot more. It helps us understand who we are as humans. And we're not dehumanizing somebody else based on anything that we built up in our head based on some one experience that we had there. And so trying to have that open mind, understanding, as I mentioned, what my, what my 10 was and just realizing it, uh, the people that might have that issue with it, I don't need to worry about what they think. I still am guilty of caring about what people think. I wish I had the ability to just not really care about what people think, but but I do. And so, but then there, I know that there's people that that whatever that person is saying in there, they're going to hate just because they hate. And sure. that's something that we can't, we can't be around. I can't let that manifest or focus um, that into the, what I truly care about. Well, you touched on something there about the, the one dimensional, um, I guess, aspect of how people identify you. Right. So uh, back a little bit ago, you said you didn't want this thing to, to, to be your identity. Um, what is your identity? And this is a good, like, I don't, I don't mean to pin you down or anything. Yeah. It's like, I could, I could struggle answering the question, like, who, who are you? You know, um, you're, you're not into it guy. You're not a guy who lost a spouse. You're not dad. You're not just DJ. You're, you're all these things, but what, who, who's Eric? And, and I'm asking this with a, with my intentionality is if you could share, then maybe other people can, can do that self-exploration too. Wow, that's you're asking some deep questions here, Jake. You're getting your money's worth today, I man. I totally am. I totally am. So, gosh, I guess I, I would I the person that I strive to be, I guess, is is how I kind of built up in my head is, yeah, father, family member, family man, husband, first and foremost above everything. I want it. They're they're my world, and I want to do everything that will help make them thrive. But I also want to help so that that everybody can win a situation. I don't want to, I, I don't want to be a person that, get, that is viewed as, as selfish, even though it's difficult to not do selfish things in life, because whether you're doing it as a selfless reason, you're doing it maybe for you, because, right? for you. It feels good. Right? Yeah. Cause exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so I, I just want to, I want to be a person that, that can help give and give back and make an influence, a positive influence, you know, for people and, and show that and show people that, whatever fears that you've built up in your head of what's ever holding you back, understand that, that it doesn't hold as much gravity as you might think it will. And that just by having the courage to do something that makes you comfortable being uncomfortable, that's, that's a big, that's a big thing to help other people kind of step up, get out of whatever's in their way and, and know that that's how we learn and grow is, is to get into these constant uncomfortable states so much that we're, it becomes second nature and we don't even think about it. I think even uh, happiness is uncomfortable. Um, yeah. As as guys, we're we're told to cover up a lot of the more vulnerable emotions like fear and shame and guilt and and uh, and even sometimes happiness. And you led off by introducing yourself um, by saying that you you DJ weddings and events and you're part of people's uh, happy experiences. Yeah. And I think that in and of itself is vulnerable because you're you're sharing that it's okay to be happy and also to provide happiness for others. Yeah, that's a I'll pretty say. that's a pretty neat position to be in. It, by the way, yes, it is selfish, and I think we've made selfish a dirty word in American society, but it's yeah. not. It's absolutely not because I can be selfish by being magnanimous and philanthropic and uh, being a part of people's overwhelming joy. So, I mean, what's what's more joyous than? Uh, weddings and childbirths. I mean, you, you typically are not DJing a childbirth, but um, that day may come. <laughs> Maybe uh, <laughs> but uh, but at a wedding, I mean, you're you're literally the person who's who's bringing ha- helping to bring happiness. Obviously, the, the cake decorator's doing you know his or her job, yeah, and the, all one team. Yeah, yeah, right. But um, what you have to do to get there is you have to allow yourself to let go 
to be there and then yeah. be present in the moment and, and sharing that joy. Now, yeah. You know, if it's good food, that helps too. Yes. It does. Um, <laughs> tell tell me more about why you want to help people be happy. Yeah, great. Uh, great. I, um, there's a great uh, speaker in town, Robin Brocklesby, and she had helped me understand some things that you talked about depression um, a little bit earlier, and and I forget who told her this quote, but it was if you really want to. Um, help yourself get out of this depression, the best thing that you can do is volunteer your time and help other people. Mm -hmm. And by giving back, that is actually the best way to get out of this funk of whatever you're in. And we don't do that enough here in America. I know there's other countries and societies that they have that as a big part of their culture that they do is they have this volunteerism in there. And so if you're not giving back, that's something that you should strive to do. I'm not saying that I give back all the time and I don't give back nearly enough, but anything in there that if you're going through some sort of state like this by understanding what's a cause that you really care about and how can you help give back to that side? That's how um, you can help bring happiness and joy to not only others that see the great impact that you're doing, but and then back to yourself and gives you more of that reason to want to wake up every morning and be excited about, about what you're going to do. It becomes addicting. Uh, yeah. William Glasser, who's a big name in our field, talk, he wrote a book called Positive Addiction. And where he split the difference between positive and negative addiction was negative addiction does something that consumes more of your day than you want it to and doesn't give back. So a positive addiction has a lot of the same effects as a negative addiction. When you don't do it, you miss it. You, you have an ache. Uh, like if you got a you know, habit of running for an hour every morning and you miss it, you, there's this kind of like emptiness and like a feeling of ick, you know, and um, it's almost a withdrawal. Yeah. And so you can become positively addicted to giving back and making people happy. And to your point about um, overcoming depression or to Robin's point, Robin Brockleby is, is really great. fantastic. She spoke at a uh, – it used to be called the Crisis Call Center of Northern yes. Nevada. Now it's called Crisis Support Center Services. Mm-hmm. Um, donate if you can because they are amazing. But they uh, – yeah, she she's great. And so her point about overcoming depression was made by a guy who was on this podcast at one point, uh, Boomer Perot from uh, One a Week. Right. And um, the, the One a Week challenge is uh, – you can find him on Facebook at number one a week. Um, okay. is the, the idea is that you do something for somebody else once a week and um, maybe talk about it, maybe don't talk about it. But, but the point is he did that to get himself out of a funk and it became so consuming that he wanted to spread it to other people. And, and I think that's a really cool message. Um, when you're distracting yourself from your own misery by focusing on bringing others joy, mm-hmm. you, you don't have any room Um Another thing Christian Conti said was that you can't be in two psychologically opposed states at the same time. So if you're fighting something, go the other direction and you won't be there anymore because it's just not possible. I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it helped, it helped me get, get through a lot of, um, you know, a lot more stuff in there too and finding ways that, that we can, we can give back and volunteer in the community. And if I, and I, I, I'm even a firm believer of if you have a specific talent or service or something that you can do, anyone can go over to the food bank and pack boxes. Not that that's not a bad thing to do, but if you have something specific that you can do that has a talent, use that to give back and find a way that you can do that. Intuit did that a ton. They had a whole program called we care and give back that really focused on, they would pay the employees 
they would give him up to 40 hours um, a year to be able to volunteer in wow. the community. And I, and I thought it was just huge and, and it really helped engage the employees across and gave back. So Jake grabs a notepad, scribbles down, says mission for Zephyr when we get to sit on a big pile of cash. There you go. There you go. Pay, pay my employees to do cool things for others. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So what's next for you? I want to honor your time and I want to wrap up here and um, let you go. But um, what, what's, yeah, I know we could. And, and I like the direction this is going. It's, it's really positive. It's uplifting. I think a lot of people listen because they learn stuff, but uh, others listen because they get inspired. And your story truly is inspirational because it's, there's enough people out there who are like, I'm struggling with depression for you know years on end. It's like, why? <laughs> like, yeah. um, you don't have to. And your story is one of uh, triumph and, and conquering. And so what's next? I mean, you're, you're going to DJ for as long as it thrills you i'm sure um what's what's francis got planned i mean we're what's where are we going with life here yeah we're actually in the midst of trying to kind of kind of figure that out right now because mm-hmm. i've been i've been doing this now for longer than i haven't with with djing to be a part of that that's I'm look, wild huh yeah i know You're old <laughs> i know i know not as old as you but you no, know. <laughs> and you never will be <laughs> so yeah I, I look back that that's how i describe it how long you've been doing this longer than i haven't and wow that's a long time so I um, public speaking thing is, is things that I'm trying to get into a lot mm. more and trying ways to, to have inspirational things to help people come and understand that. the journey. Thank you. Um, and then realizing, you know, we with the service-based industry that we have, there's only so much that we can do. So we're trying to figure out where do we want to go. My uh, Francis, my wife, is um, at school here, you know, today. She's got her last two semesters and she's going to be done with, with her degree uh, UNR has a great um, entrepreneurship is an actual degree that you can get there and no kidding yeah and she's minoring in it right now and she's got a business getting her a business degree in there but we learned so much from that in the school so we're going to try to figure things out when she's graduated doesn't have to focus on school anymore like where do we want to take the next level do we want to do some things with epic we were looking at do we do adventure type whether it's weddings or thing in there and how do we make we make that epic so that we can go enjoy the wilderness with people as well as make a business out of it we want to be able to travel there's there's so many things that we have on the list out there that we want to do but it's 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 um how do we make the impact in the world how do we do what we what we love doing and what gives us the flexibility to be virtually anywhere and still able to to do our 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 life's work if that's not inspirational, I don't know what is. And I want to <laughs> terminate there because that was really cool. Um, really good connecting, catching up. Thank it's you, been a couple yeah. of years. Um, we don't hang out as often as we should. I uh, really appreciate you coming on and taking the time. And um, I'm really proud of you. You've done Thanks, really Steve. well. Um, and I'm going to be vulnerable and choke up here and get teary-eyed. So, um, Thank you. And to our listening audience, thanks for tuning back in. We'll be back next week with another episode. I don't know what it is because I just go wherever my phone directs me to whenever it beeps. So um, <laughs> it'll be, be a surprise. Uh, but on behalf of the uh, Noggin Notes team and the Zephyr Wellness family, we wish you all great mental wellness. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Thank you.